Well, before I have JT come up and uh, continue our series on discipleship, uh, those of you who are at our uh, congregational meeting, remember one of the things that, that I talked about is to clarify some of the rumors that were flying around about, uh, about my retirement and Penny's retirement. Uh, couple of thoughts on that. One is that uh, we don't plan on, on ever retiring ministry, but we will be, uh, as we have planned for a number of years now, we will be, uh, I'll be retiring in 2008. The end of 2008, we're not making it early 18. <laughs> what year is it? Yeah. And we're 2000. <laughs> ah, 10 years. Come on. Give me a break. Um, 2018. So, and that was always planned, and nothing has changed with that. Uh, Penny, because of, of the cancer diagnosis, has cut back to, to part-time and will continue to minister as, as uh, uh, she's able. One of the things, though, that I have talked to Michael about and our advisory board and, and the other pastors is that I think that there'd be some real wisdom because, obviously, my first priority is to, to care for Penny. And to, uh, there are times where uh, being with her, for whether it's doctor's appointments or uh, she'll be having a, a stem cell uh, implant with her own stem cells coming up where she'll be in isolation for a few months, I recognize that my involvement may be spotty at times. So I, I talked to our advisory board, our elders and our pastors, and Michael, and suggested that Though we had planned on Michael stepping in, this has been part of our plans for a number of years now, Michael stepping in and taking the, the, uh, the senior pastor role when I retire in 2018, uh, I suggested to everybody that I think it would be a good idea for us, for us to bring Michael in as my co-senior pastor right now, so there will be always someone who who knows that's where the buck stops and it'll be good for Michael, it'll be good for the church, it'll good, be good for the staff. And we got just a, a totally uh, unanimous consensus that that was, was the Lord. So one of the things that we want to do today is have Michael come on up here. And let me invite any of the pastors who are here, any of our uh, advisory board, our elders, to come on up. And we're going to pray for Michael, ask God to bless and release him in this role as, as our uh, co-senior pastor. And as we pray for him, why don't uh, you just reach your hand out and just add, uh, ask God's blessing on, on Michael. Why don't we just stand behind Michael so everyone can see his smiling face. I understand the first thing he's going to be doing as uh, co-senior pastor is changing the name to uh, Vineyard Laugh Factory. So we're... <laughs> But let's go ahead and ask God's blessing. Uh, Michael, I do want to read. There's a passage in First Peter where Peter is talking to the shepherds, to the elders and, and pastors in, in the churches that he helped plant. And there's a charge to them. I want to read it to you because this is, this is God's charge to you as, as you step into this, this new role. And it says, Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for personal gain, but with eagerness, not lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be an example to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Michael, this is the call of Christ on your life, 
and uh, it's with joy that we get to, to bless and pray for you and ordain you in this role today. Father, I ask right now a blessing on Michael that you'd fill him with your spirit, give him, give him your wisdom, give him your passion and compassion. Lord, allow him to, to fulfill according to your grace this call on his life. Father, I, I just have such great respect and affection for Michael. And I, I just thank you that you've sent him to this church that you're allowing him to help us to, to be and to become who you, Father, have called us to be. So, Michael, we bless you now. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, Michael. And, Michael, as you're stepping into your new role, I just got a, a little gift for you as you become co-senior pastor. Well, we're going to continue in our series in, uh, on discipleship, so I've asked JT to come and share with us today. Jay? All right. Let's hear it for Jay. Thank you. I don't know how to follow that, except for where's my, where's my shirt? Hey, before I get started, Michael, I just want to say I just really, really respect you and just I'm super excited for yeah, just just you stepping into this role. So I, I know we all, we all are, but yeah. All right, so now I'm going to transition. Um, Jesus, isn't isn't he cool? No, I'm just joking. Um, are you guys enjoying the, the the weather now? It's starting to get really warm. I know, is it raining right now? Well, I'm enjoying it starting to warm up. We can enjoy that because. Mostly for me, the main reason I'm enjoying it is because I am exercising more. I'm starting to run a lot, and I don't like to run on a treadmill. I don't like it at all. It's so much fun to run in the nicer weather where it's not too hot, but it's not like snow everywhere and negative 10 degrees. But, so I'm really enjoying this, this weather because I get to exercise outside. And this is the first time in my life where I've really committed to exercise for a long period of time. Yeah, thank you. Um, most of the time in my life, it'll be like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to start exercising. And I'll do it for like three days, and then, then I'm like, I'm tired. Or, you know, and I find this to be true in a, with a lot of things in my life. It could be, you know, I'm going to start eating healthy, or I'm going to, you know, I want to start reading more books, or I want to... I want to get up early and start doing the dishes for my wife or whatever it is. And then I do it for a day and then I think, no, my bed sounds really nice right now. Or I get distracted or I get, you know, whatever it is. And I think this is probably true for a lot of us, if we're honest. Like there'll be something that we want to start doing in our life. And then slowly or maybe quickly, in my case, we get really off course. And the same thing is true in our spiritual lives. Same thing is true in, in, in our spiritual lives. Like, I, how many times have you heard a sermon or, or read a book or went to, went to some conference and you think, oh, man, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really start pressing into Jesus. 
or I'm going to really start, you know, really following him and doing this thing that he's calling me to do. And then, like, within a month, you're kind of back to your, you know, your old ways. You kind of forget about it or, you know, for any variety of reasons. I know that happens a lot for me. And maybe for some of you, it's been during this series, this Go series. Like, I've thoroughly enjoyed this series. We've been talking about just going, what it means to be a disciple of Christ. And, and we've talked about things like evangelism. And we've talked about things like service and, and, and social justice and, and missions and all these different things. And maybe one of those talks or a few of those talks you felt like, yeah, like I want to start doing that. And then maybe within a, a week or so, you're kind of back to, you know, your old ways. Why is that? Why do we do that? You know, there's a, there's a, there's a story in the, the book of Luke in chapter 9 where these folks come to Jesus. They just heard him, you know, preach, and they think they're so excited about what, what he has to say that they're like, we want to we do it. We want to be one of your disciples. And Jesus gives the call to them that he gives to all of us. He says, come and follow me. And then they start giving all these excuses of reasons they can't. Like they start saying things like, you know, I need to go back home and start saying goodbye to people. And I got, I got a lot of stuff to do. And, and they say, you know, I have some family issues right now. But once, once those clear up, then I can really follow you. And Jesus' response is really, really tough. But listen to what he says. It's in verse 62 of chapter 9. It says, Jesus said to them, anyone who starts to plow and then keeps looking back is of no use for the kingdom of God. Yikes. That's rough. He's essentially saying, if you're not focused on me and my kingdom, then you're not of much use. You can't be looking back and looking to the sides and getting distracted. So what is it for us today in the 21st century here in, here in Sunbury? What, what gets in the way? What holds us back of being a disciple, of really following that call to go? What is it that holds us back? We're going to jump in, but let me, let me just pray real fast and invite the Lord here. Holy Spirit, we just ask you to be with us. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity just to gather as, as your family and as your body. And we just ask that you be with us and you speak to us this, this morning. Amen. So yeah, so what holds us back? You know, I think it could be any variety of things. It's probably a lot of different things. But I think for, for most of us, I've narrowed it down to kind of three categories of things that hold us back from really pressing in or following through with the things that God has called us to do. And the first thing I want to talk about is the issue of priorities. Priorities. Priorities is, is basically just what we find important or what we give value to in our lives. And I find that our priorities oftentimes get completely out of whack. My priorities get completely out of whack. I don't know about you guys, but, you know, it's what we find important. I've seen this in my life. I've seen this in the world. The, one of the main ways that our priorities get out of line is this. I think we become very self 
focused. And I think this is maybe, I don't know, maybe the main reason that we get off track is because we think, I don't really want to do that stuff, actually. Like, I'd rather be doing this. Like I was saying with exercise, like, I would like to exercise, but I would rather sleep. Or you know what I mean? Like, we would rather do what we want. We are very self-focused. Another word for self-focused is selfish. We, we are selfish people. And I know probably there's some people here like, speak for yourself, man. I'm not selfish. But listen to this quote by C.S. Lewis. I love this. He says, at this very moment, you and I are either committing selfishness or about to commit it or repenting of it. I love that. We're all selfish. We're very self-focused. And this is what the world promotes for us. This is what we hear in the, in the media and, and most self-help books is, is to be self-focused. We hear things and it, we, we twist it in a way that sounds good. It sounds good. Like we tell um, ourselves when we hear these messages of follow your heart. Follow your dreams. Don't let anything get in the way of what you want to do with your life. Don't let your, you know, a person or a thing, don't let anything get in the way of what you want. You know, you need to have a better self-image and higher self-esteem and all these things. And some of them aren't necessarily bad, but they're all me, 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 focus on me. Especially in the Western world, we talk about things like you need to be successful. You need to make something of your life. And we really value, you know, success. And we value people who are, have lots of, of self-ambition. Like that's a noble trait in America to be self-ambitious. But do you know what the Bible says about self-ambition? In James chapter 3, this is hardcore. This, is, this was very convicting to, for me as I read this. It says, for wherever there is selfish ambition, there, will you, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But we've got to follow our hearts, right? That's what we're taught. Follow your heart. But the Bible tells us that our heart is deceitful. Our heart lies to us. But, but, but we feel that our life is the most important thing. That's what I feel, right? But the Bible says those who try to find their life are going to lose it. But if you lay down your life, then you will find it. The Bible's wisdom is so opposite to the world's wisdom. We are so self-focused. But the Bible tells us to get our eyes off of ourselves and onto, onto him. And this is something that's really big. This is a message that we're really teaching our children. And I think we need to stop teaching our children this message. We tell them these really subtle things that get, get it in their head that they are the most important thing in the world. Like we tell them things like, you can be whatever you want to be. And that sounds great. And I think I've probably said that to my nephews or or, or, you know, I may have said something like that to my, my daughter. She wouldn't understand. She's only two and a half now. But, but we say, you can be whatever you want to be. And you know what we should say? Is we should say, you can be what God has for you. 
God has a plan for your life, and you can be that. Not you can be whatever you want. You can be what God has called you to be. What we want, our needs, what our desires are, you know, our self-ambition, it gets in the way of following God. It gets in the way of, of walking the path that the Lord has laid out for us. Because we think, I'd rather be doing this. This is what I want for my life. This is what I want for my afternoon. This is what I want for my family. Instead of what God wants. We lose sight of what God is doing, and we start looking at ourselves, and we get stuck. We get stuck or we get off course. Or maybe the issue in your life isn't necessarily an issue of selfishness, but it's an issue of busyness. This is another issue in priorities is that we are really, really busy. We're extremely busy in our culture. You know, we work crazy hours and our kids have, you know, this kid's got a soccer practice and this kid has gymnastics and this kid has Boy Scouts and this kid has play practice and guitar lessons and all kinds, and I, oh, don't even mention I have to clean my basement and I got to do this. We are so busy. We don't have time to do what the Lord is calling us to do. I love this quote by Adrian Rogers. It says, if Satan can't make you bad, he will make you busy. And I'm not picking on anyone. I know there's probably some people here who think I'm picking on you because they're like, oh man, like JT asked me to help out with something and I told him I was too busy. I'm not because I think we all fall into this boat. I think we all do. I know I do. The study I read um, this week said that, listen to this, this is crazy to me. It said that over 60% of Christians, they say they are too busy to really follow God the way he's calling them to. Over 60%. What that's saying is the majority of followers of Christ are too busy to be followers of Christ. Isn't that, that, that's, that's a sobering statistic. And here's the thing. A lot of us, and I'll put myself in, in, this, in this boat Maybe we don't say those things with our words, but we say them with our actions. Like, I, Lord, I know you're, you're calling me to do this thing, but I got a lot of stuff going on in my life right now. Like, once, once my schedule starts clearing up, then I can, I'll really start doing the things you've called me to do. You know, I can't really serve at church because I'm, I'm really busy, or I can't get involved in a small group, or I can't, you know, start getting involved in my community and talking to my neighbors, or I can't really do the things that you're calling me to do because my calendar is just full. I can't come to church every week. I mean, I'm busy. I'm not, listen, I think this applies to all of us. I'm not picking on anyone. And sometimes it's not that we're too busy. I mean, some of us would say, you know, I'm, re I'm retired or I'm, I'm you know, not working a ton of hours. I actually manage my time pretty well. But we have what Tim Keller refers to as disordered love. Disordered love. It's not that we're necessarily selfish. And it's not necessarily that we're too busy or even that we're focused on bad things. It might be that we're focusing on really good things, but we're elevating them to, to, to a place in our life that are above God. 
We're saying this is the highest priority in my life. And it might be a really wonderful, good thing. It could be, you know, our family, or it could be, you know, our career, or, or passions that we have, or, or dreams, or, or you know what I see most of the time, and this is what the biggest temptation is in my life, is kids. We elevate our kids to, to be higher than God. We've made good things the ultimate thing in our life. And I, I see it a lot with our, with our children. And let me, let me tell you what, what I mean. When I was growing up, my parents made me go to all kinds of church stuff, church things. Like I was at like weekend services. I, they made me go to my youth group. They, they made me come to like their small group, you know, conferences that were happening and classes. We would serve in the community when we would do these outreach things. We were constantly, like every moment of the day was like, this is your day, God. What do you want us to do? Our holidays, we would, we'd have strangers over at our home that like, you know, for Thanksgiving, and I'd be like, well, can't we just have time with our family? I, you know, listen, like there was, and we did have lots of time with our family too, but there were, there were certain times in my life where I just, I wasn't enjoying it. Like I didn't understand what the adults were talking about, or I'd rather be doing something else. But my parents said, no, this is important. We were doing things for the kingdom. And I remember they told me that I could only do one extracurricular activity. Like, I had to choose between whether or not I wanted to play baseball or if I wanted to take guitar lessons. I could have one extracurricular activity. And the point was this. They didn't want my stuff to get in the way of the kingdom. They didn't want us to get so busy that with this and that and this that we couldn't do the things that the Lord was calling us to do. And I didn't always like that. There were some certain times where I had to make sacrifices, even as a little kid, because that's what God was calling our family to do. And like, I didn't always like it. And what it showed me, though, I'm so glad that they did that, because what it showed me is that they valued God more than they valued me. And that makes some of us feel squirmish. We think, whoa, did you feel unloved? No. The opposite. I felt so loved and so valued by my parents. I was overwhelmed with the amount of love and affection my parents gave me, but I always knew that God came first. I wasn't the most important thing in the world. God was. So what in your life are you elevating above God? Maybe it is your kids. Maybe it is your, your job. Maybe it's your you know, your, your family, or a passion that you have, or maybe it's your free time, you know, your, 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 your rest. What, I mean, it could be any number of things, and they're not necessarily bad things. They could be good things. The next thing that gets in the way is, is not an issue of priorities, it's an issue of fear. I think fear gets us off course. For some of us, it's the, it's the fear of, of people. It's what the Bible calls the fear of man. We get afraid of what people will think about us, what they're going to say about us. We get afraid that they're, you know, we're going to lose friends or we're gonna, our coworkers are going to start thinking 
we're the crazy guy now if we start talking about Jesus. Or we think, you know, like, they're going to think I'm ignorant, or they're going to think I'm, they're going to lump me in with those, those, those Christians that I don't even really get along with. We're afraid of what people are going to think about us or say about us, or how they're going to act towards us. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, Paul says this. He says, does this sound as if I'm trying to win human approval? No, indeed. What I want is God's approval. I'm trying, am I trying to be popular with people? If I were still trying to do so, I would not be a servant of Christ. We can't be afraid of what people say, think, or do. We only need to be concerned of what he thinks about us. And look, here in, in America, I don't know if this is necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. I could go back and forth. But we don't, the most we have to worry about is someone like thinking we're weird. In some countries, they have to worry about their lives being taken away. Now that's, that's fear. But even in that fear, we can't let that fear stop us. We can't let that fear paralyze us. We need to keep going forward and not being controlled by our fear. But maybe it's not the fear of what others will say or do. Maybe it's, maybe it's an internal fear. Maybe you don't think you're good enough. Maybe you don't think you're smart enough. Maybe you don't think you've been a Christian long enough. Or you're not holy enough. Or you're not this or you're not that. And it's that fear. It's an insecurity. I remember when I felt, you know, the, the, the recall to be a pastor. I felt called to be a pastor as a little kid, and, and I kind of started wandering off. And then in my early 20s, I felt like God reminded me of that call. And I wasn't in a very good place in my life at the time. I had really wandered off, and I felt the Lord said, remember that call. I, I still have that call on your life. And my pastor at the time spoke that over me as well. And, and I just remember feeling so afraid. I remember feeling like I don't, you know, I'm not good enough. I don't have enough integrity. I'm not smart enough. Like I've done this, I've done that. I'm not good enough to follow you and to really do the things you've called me to do. And you know what I felt the Lord clearly say to me? You aren't. You aren't good enough. But when did you think that being a follower of Christ had to do with how good you are? Or how kind you are? Or how smart you are? Or how powerful you are? It's about how strong he is. How amazing Jesus is. It's about him. And that, that was such a great reminder for me. To know that I don't have what it takes, but he does. So whatever God is calling you to do, whatever step God is calling you to make, and you think, well, I just don't know if I'll, if I'll know what to say if I do that, or I don't know if I have what it takes to do this, the truth is, is you don't. You don't have, some of you guys are really smart, some of you guys, but none of you are smart enough or strong enough or anything enough to, to do what God is calling us to do. We have to rely on his power. He is good enough. 
2 Corinthians tells us that we can boast in our weakness. We can be proud of how weak we are because it's in our weakness that he is strong. I love that. It's all, we, we know this. This is in Jesus Loves Me. We all sang the song. We are weak, but he is strong. But oftentimes we forget that or we think, well, my weakness disqualifies me for some reason. It doesn't. It doesn't. We're all weak, and he is strong. Maybe the fear that you have is not an internal fear. It's not a fear of others. Maybe it's a fear uh, that has, that's more directed towards, towards God. Here's what I mean. Maybe you're afraid that maybe the stuff that we're talking about isn't really true. Like maybe the stuff in the Bible is not real. We don't talk about all this stuff that much in the church. What if, what if this stuff isn't real? And you're, that, that's scary. Or maybe it's not that you're doubting, um, you know, everything, but you might be doubting, like, some promises from the Lord. Like, the promises that we read in the Bible. Like, I don't think you'll, I really don't know if you'll always be with me. Right? How can I know that you're really good? Or that you're really, you, you, you really care about me. And doubt and unbelief start sink, like sneaking into our life. Maybe we're afraid that we got all this stuff wrong. Does anyone here ever struggle with doubt? No, right? No. Yeah, we all do. We all do. Doubt is a normal and a natural part of the Christian life. Let me tell you something that hopefully can be a little bit freeing to you. Faith can't exist without doubt. Did you know that? You have to, you have to be uncertain about something to have faith. Faith and doubt are, are not enemies. There has to be some wrestling like, I don't know about this, but that's where faith comes in. The Bible is full of stories. Every single person in the Bible, aside from Jesus, wrestled with doubt. Wrestled with doubt. Wrestled with, I don't know, Lord, what are you doing? I don't get this. I don't understand. I don't know how you're going to come through. I have these questions. This doesn't make sense. There's a whole book in the Bible called Lamentations that's all about wrestling and doubt and questioning. And we can, we can, I love that God puts those stories in the Bible because it brings so much comfort to me to realize that's, a, that's normal. We don't have to be ashamed of questions. But, here's the, here's the but, this is the important part. When we are, we don't embrace our doubt. I have friends who embrace their doubt and, and think that, oh, doubt, yes, doubt. We don't embrace our doubt. Here's what we do. We go to the Lord with our questions, and then we choose to believe. We choose to keep moving forward. This is all throughout Scripture. People saying, I don't understand. I don't get this. This doesn't make sense to me, but still, I will follow you. Still, I'm going to be obedient. And many times, our questions do get answered. Sometimes they don't. 
It's not this blind faith where we don't, we're not allowed to question. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to go to the Lord and say, man, this doesn't make sense. But still, I will follow. One of my favorite things in the entire Bible, I don't have time to get into the story, but this, this line is so powerful. It says, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. It's a choice. It's, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. That's what we need to do in our doubt. Now, I have these questions. This doesn't make sense, but I'm going to keep on taking steps towards you. I'm not going to let my fear paralyze me. Moving right along. The last thing that I feel really holds us back is this, is that we have an enemy. Do you know you have an enemy? And a lot of times... It's not the enemy that many people tell us we have. You know, in, in, in many churches and, and just in the world in general, we're told that, that certain people are enemy. Maybe Muslims. Maybe Muslims you feel like are your enemy or homosexuals or atheists or Republicans or Democrats or, or you know, white people or black people or rich people or poor people or men or women or whoever. But let me tell you what, none of those people are your enemy. None of them. You're called to love those people. Those, those are people that may be uh, in captivity from the enemy. They're held captive by the enemy, but they are not your enemy. Your enemy is this. Read in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. It says, our struggle, our enemy, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's our enemy. That's our enemy. It's not Muslims. It's not this. It's not that. John 10.10 tells us that our enemy, who is Satan, has come to steal, to kill, and destroy that's what he wants to do in your life. And do you know what the enemy's number one goal, stealing, killing, and destroying, are the means to get this. But do you know what his number one goal is? The reason he rebelled was because he wanted to be worshipped. He wanted to devalue God, and he wanted to be valued. He wanted to take the attention and the, 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 the worship away from God, and, and, and he wanted it. So that's his goal for our life. So what does that mean? Why is that important? It's that this, Satan doesn't care if you, like his goal for your life is not to make you a bad person or to, to like ruin all your plans. Like that's not Satan's goal. I used to think growing up that Satan's goal for my life was to turn me into like a drug dealer or like a bank robber. Or something. That's not Satan's goal for, for our life. He doesn't care if you're bad. He just wants to get your attention off of God. I love this quote by this, this guy named Tom Terry. He says, Satan is perfectly happy to let you live, prosper, and remain whole and in good health as long as you give him what he wants. And that's your attention. He wants your eyes to be off of Jesus and, and literally onto anything else. That's why when you follow Jesus, when you decide, you know, I'm, I'm going to really start doing what the Lord has called me to do, that's why you start facing 
like temptation in your life? Have you ever experienced that? Or you're on your way to church and you, you have a big fight with your, why is it that every time we go to church we get in a fight? I don't know. Why is it that when I really want to start following after the Lord, you know, I get, to, there's all these different kinds of distractions. Like my kid gets sick or, or I start feeling, you know, super insecure. Or I start having this or that or this. It's because we have an enemy that doesn't want us to follow after him. And he wants to take our attention off of Jesus and onto our surroundings. He wants, he'll, he'll, do, he'll do anything to get you to stop following Jesus. And it might be temptation with bad things. It might be drugs or, or you know, sex or whatever, anything. But it could just be, you know, oh, I'm going to give him a lot of busyness. He just wants you to stay away from God. So then what do we do? Now that we're all thoroughly bummed out. <laughs> Man, there's, there's a lot of stuff that keeps us away. What do we do then? Well, the good news is, is the Bible gives us wisdom in what we do and what we should do. How we fight back. How we get back on track. How we avoid the obstacles. And the first thing, and these aren't necessarily in order, but one thing that we need to do is we need to remember who we are. You need to remember who you are. This is something my parents always said to me when I would leave the house. They would say, remember who you are. And I would say, I think it's written on the back of my underwear or something. <laughs> That's not what they meant. They said, remember who you are. And this is what they meant. This quote by Henry Nouwen. Spiritual identity means we are not what we do or what people say about us. We are not what we have. It's this. We are the beloved daughters and sons of God. You are the beloved son of God. You are the beloved daughter of God. Your fundamental identity is not what you've done. It's not what you're doing. It's not what you're going to do. It's not what you have, what you don't have. It's not your addiction. It's not your sexuality. It's not your, you know, good decisions, your bad decisions. It's not your success. It's not your failure. Your fundamental identity is that you are the beloved child of God. I believe if that, that if we really know that, if we really knew that, it would change everything. It would change everything. That's, that's something that I constantly need to be reminded of, like on a, literally on a daily basis. And I'm, I'm loved before I do anything. Before I, I succeed and, and, you know, preach a really good sermon, I'm loved. And before I, I preach like a really bad sermon, I'm loved. And then, then I, can, I, I don't have to move in insecurity. I don't have to move in all these things because I know that I'm loved. And it would, it would affect our passions and our dreams. It would, it would change the way we look at our work. And it would change the way we look at our careers and our, and our family. And, and it would change the way we walk with Jesus. If we really knew how loved we were. Just stop for a minute and let that, let that truth sink in. You 
are the beloved child of God. I can't, I can't hear that enough. So the next thing, it could be the first thing, they're all, they're all, it doesn't matter the order, is we need to remember who he is. We need to remember who he is. We need to fix our eyes on him and how great he is, how wonderful he is, how kind he is, how loving he is, how strong he is, how faithful he is. We need to fix our eyes on the Lord. And why? Because in John chapter 15, 5, listen to what it says. Jesus is talking and he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. It's only through him that we can do what he's called us to do. It's, it's in intimacy with him. It's in being connected to him that we're able to do the things he's calling us to do. Listen, what it's saying is we're branches. A branch, in, a branch can't do a whole lot if it's not connected to the vine. It can't produce a lot of fruit if it's laying on the ground. We have to be connected to our source. We have to have intimacy with Jesus. We need to fix our eyes on him and pursue him. Because he is our source. He is the vine. Listen, when I'm in places in my life where I've gone off course, or I realize, oh man, like I'm not doing the things that God has called me to do, or maybe I'm struggling with doubt, or maybe I'm struggling with a, like a sin in my life. Do you know what I, I've learned how to overcome sin in my life? Like the, the biggest tool I have to overcome sin in my life is this. You know, a lot of times we'll think, you know, I need to start doing this, and I need to avoid this, and I need to, you know, say this thing five times and, and you know, make sure I'm never doing this. And, and those things can be helpful, but the biggest thing we have to overcome sin in our lives is to get our eyes off of our sin and onto Jesus. Worship is the biggest thing in my life that helps me overcome sin, is when I start focusing on God. When we start focusing on our helper, on our refuge, on our safe place, and we stop focusing on how to overcome this sin. Or how to, how to get past this doubt. And we start focusing on how wonderful he is. On our great refuge. And I'm not saying that having boundaries and, and doing certain things can't be very helpful. But they could be helpful in the context of if we're looking towards our Savior. We need to get our eyes off of the problem and onto the solution. We get our eyes off the problem and on to the solution. And that solution has a name, and his name is Jesus. Next, we can't let our faith just be uh, internal. We can't let our, our faith just be something that's just a set of, of beliefs. A lot of times we think that being a Christian means I believe these things. And that's part of it. But, and I'm not talking about salvation here, but I'm talking about being a disciple. To be a disciple, our faith can't be internal. We have to put our faith in action. We need to do something. I know this seems obvious, but we need to take a step. Whatever step it is, 
James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. So you're in small group and, and you're, you're moved by what you just read. Don't just be like, oh, that was really cool. Think, how do I respond to that? What am I called to do? And then do it. You know, you feel like maybe it was the talk on missions where you felt like really stirred about global missions. Do something. Like maybe it's not like I'm going to move to Brazil and be a missionary. Maybe if you felt stirred about missions, it's I'm going to start praying for our missionaries. Or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start financially supporting our missionaries. Because here's the thing. Oftentimes, when we think about taking steps, we think like 20 steps down the road. We think way too big. Like, you know, I rem- when, when Michael talked about service and he talked about what it means to be a servant, I, I had all these ideas. Like, wouldn't it be cool if I started this, like, program for, for our community where we could help this, these kinds of people and blah, blah, blah. And those things can be great. And I'm not, it's great to, to dream. But maybe the first step in being a servant is something like, hey, when I'm going down to pick up my, my trash can after trash day, I'm going to grab my neighbors too. Taking small steps can help to build traction. And help to, to get momentum. Because when, when you're taking steps, I was talking to a friend who was telling me that he was feeling really passionate about evangelism. He's a newer Christian. And he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead my whole office building to Jesus. And he works with like 100 people. I said, that's awesome. But start somewhere. Start with the guy right next to you. Because it, here's, here's the thing. When, when, it, when we take steps and we say, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, say hi to my neighbor. That's the first step. Okay, now I'm going to start, I'm going to go over and, you know, talk to my neighbor a little bit. And the next one is, you know, I'm going to tell my neighbor I go to the, the Cracker Barrel looking vineyard. And the next one is, you know, whatever it is, you start taking steps. And before you know it, you're doing the big things. You've accomplished big things by starting small. There's that famous quote that many of us know that says, the, uh, <clears throat> let me get it here. Where is it? A journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. You got to start. Start with why. Don't be afraid to dream, but don't let your dreams get in the way of the reality. Don't let your dreams get in the way of what God is calling you to do right now. Because this is a daily call. The call to be a follower of Christ is not that one-time thing that you had and then you're in. I mean, I'm not, again, I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about discipleship. Discipleship is a daily call where he says, you want to take another step? You want to keep on going? Let's keep on going. Let's keep on stepping. So it's a daily yes. I mean, for, for me, it's like a minute by minute. Yes, okay, I'm still doing it. I'm still doing it. All right, I got to wrap it up. Finally, the last thing we need to do is to stay in community. This is one of the reasons why church is so important. One of the many, many reasons why church is so important. Because we're forgetful. We're people who, who do get distracted. We get busy. We get, we get under attack from the enemy. We get uh, our priorities out of line. We get afraid. And it's in the context of community that we are reminded that we are the beloved children of God. It's in the context of community where we can fix our eyes on Jesus. That's why we worship every week. 
And we, we say we're going to take a huge chunk of our, of our time here and just talk about how great he is and sing songs about how awesome he is. It's in the context of community where people encourage you to take the next step and they start, like, you know, holding you accountable and also, you know, calling you forward. We're forgetful people. It's community that we stay on track. We're not called to be lone wolves. We're supposed to do this together. Because I need, I need you guys to remind me of these things. And I'm sure you need the rest of us to remind you of these things. So that being said, as a community, here's how I want to end. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna step into ministry time, and we're going to minister to one another as a community. So Kaylin, if, if, yeah, if you want to come up, and we're going we're gonna to invite the Holy Spirit. Why don't we stand? We're going to invite the Holy Spirit and see how he wants to minister here. So Holy Spirit, come. Let's just let's close our eyes. You can open our hands. You don't have to, but sometimes it's just helpful to take a, a posture of openness. Lord, we're, we're, we're open to you. Come speak to us. Come minister among us. Come, Lord. You know, I think there are a couple groups of people here. And let's remember, we're probably all in this boat where, where we can get distracted and we can, and there's no shame in that. But I think there's a couple of groups of people here. Uh, the first is people who would say, I really related to something in your message where I have gotten off track or I haven't been doing the things that God has called me to do. And maybe it's because you are really busy or maybe it is you've gotten your priorities out of line or, or you just, you, you've just been afraid. And I really believe that the Lord wants to free people from those things. He wants to free people from busyness and fear. And he wants to call us in to freedom. So if you feel like maybe you've gotten, you know, just stuck or you've, you've, you've lost momentum or you've gotten off track or whatever it is, I want to invite you forward to get free from whatever it is that's been holding you back. Maybe it's been the enemy. And the other group of people are, are people who, you know, are, are going after it and you are doing it, but you just feel like you are under attack. And you just want, and, and maybe it's not necessarily attack, but you feel like you want the strength and the power to continue to, to pursue Jesus in the way that he's called you to pursue him. So if you want to, did you, did you have something to say? I have a couple words from the Lord. Um, God showed me that there are some people here who have had some words spoken over them, whether they were children or as adults that have just kept them from really walking into what the Lord has for them. And God really wants to offer freedom for you this morning. He wants to break those off of you so that you have the freedom to walk into the calling that he has for you. 
And then the other one I had was, um, there are some people here who are, they feel like they're having trouble hearing God's voice. Like they desperately, they have the desire to follow what God has for them and they want to go and they want to do, but they're afraid that they can't hear from the Lord or they're not sure that what they're hearing is God's voice. And I feel like the Lord wants to start teaching you how he speaks to you because yeah. we all hear in an individual way. Yeah. So the Lord wants to start teaching you how he speaks to you. That's good. So when we start making our way up, if, it, if it's you know any of those things, you feel like you've gotten off course, or if you feel like you just need the power to keep on going, or if you feel like you want to start hearing the Lord's voice more, if you, or if there's labels, why don't, you, why don't you start coming forward? Oh, come on. I know in a, in a group this size, probably the majority of us. So come on, come on forward. There's no shame. There's actually something really powerful about saying, yep, yeah, I'm taking that step. I know that's me. I'm going forward. And as people are coming forward, if the rest of us want to just pray for them, and this, this can just be a time to just bless them and bless what the Lord is doing in their life. But you can ask them what they want prayer for, but this is not a counseling session. We're just going to invite the Holy Spirit. So we need, we need a, more prayers. Prayers over here and pray over here. Giving up my pride for the promise of new life. And I surrender all to you, all to you. And I surrender all to you. All the world holds dear I count it all as loss For the sake of knowing you The glory of your name To know the lasting joy Even sharing in your pain And I surrender all to you do just surrender all to you and we give you our lives we give you our passions we just trust you Lord and we just ask that as we leave here today and we we go into our workplace we go into our communities Lord I pray that you use us Lord I pray that we can um, remember who we are that that truth that we are the beloved children of God just never leaves. I pray that you constantly remind us of that. And Lord, I ask that we, we can keep a, a singular focus on you. 
and we don't wander to the left. We don't keep on looking back. We just focus on you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I just pray a blessing over everyone here to, to be the, the, the man or the woman that God has called you to be. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, bless you guys. Just, just a couple things as you're leaving. If you've never been baptized, please stop by the baptism meeting. It's really short. It's, it's going to be right over there. Stop by. And also, our high school ministry, Crave, is doing a fundraiser. They are selling breakfast burritos, which are quite delicious. And they also have donuts and juice. So please stop over there and be generous. Bless you guys. Have a wonderful week.